welcome to the Monash University Perioperative Medicine podcast series. Uh, my name is Lucky De Silva. Today we are fortunate to have Dr. Kim Jenkins, who is the president of the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Psychiatrists. Um, she's also an adjunct senior lecturer at Monash University and was the medical director of BDHP for more than 10 years. She's held numerous posts in medical education examiner and assessor, and she's very passionate about improving doctors' well-being. Thank you for joining us, Kim. Thank you. Um, so is the state of doctors' uh, poor mental health a new phenomenon, or are we only waking up to it now? I don't think it's a new phenomenon at all. Um, if we look back in history and we look back in literature, we can go back to probably about 150 years ago where doctors have been having poor health or poor mental health or the stresses of medicine being recognised. We can look at the advice of William Osler in around the turn of the century, around the 1900s or so, and some of the famous Osler quotes refer to how a doctor can be healthy. Quotes like the doctor who has himself for a patient has a fool for a patient. And some of the advice that he gave doctors about the health and their need to have interests outside of medicine that go back to about 1905. So it's not a new phenomenon. And certainly when um, I was at medical school in the 70s and 80s, it was really recognised that doctors had a high suicide rate compared to the rest of the population. The second part of your question about whether we're waking up to it now Certainly, there's never been more in mainstream media, social media, um, and medical media about the plight of doctors' health. So I think as a result of modern technologies and mod modern communications, we're talking about it more, but I don't think it's a new phenomenon. Okay. Um, as a medical student and prior to applying to medicine, I think I was quite naive to these sobering statistics that are being brandished about now. Um, do you think we should be doing more to publicise it, and particularly for those thinking of a career in medicine, and of course their families as well? Oh, really interesting and quite difficult question. When you say doing more to publicise it, I'm, I'm wondering if you really mean like we should be going to, to school kids who are thinking about a career in medicine and saying well, maybe you shouldn't be doing medicine because it's got this high mort mortality and morbidity rates. I mean, would we really want to be doing something like that and would we want to be putting people off a career in medicine? What we are, I think, at risk of a trap we're at risk of falling into is if we look at the media and we look at what's in the press, bad news and horror stories sell copy. We don't see anything in the press about doctors that are happy doing what they're doing, doctors that are fulfilled in what they're doing. It doesn't sell newspapers and it doesn't make for a good thread on Twitter. Um, most doctors actually really enjoy being a doctor and they like their careers in medicine and don't regret their career choice. Some do, but I don't think we should be putting people off joining our profession because doctors are prone to depression more than the general population, or there are high rates of morbidity and mortality. I think that's a great point you make about um, the fact that most of the news we hear is bad news, and I think 
um, we probably should be publicising more the good news stories of the doctors that are happy um, working as doctors. Um, medicine can be quite isolating in many ways, and one of the key elements is isolation from family and friends who may not understand the long hours or the complexities of what we do and the stressful situations we may face. How can we engage the person's social um, support network better? So any changes in behaviour could be picked up earlier and help could be sought. Again, that's another really challenging issue and isolation in medicine is a problem and for the reasons that you've said as well, we work long hours. It may be a long time before we see our loved ones or our shifts or hours may not coincide with our partners and things. And we can miss what's actually happening for those nearest and dearest to us. We do face stressful situations and even if we have a significant other at home, sometimes it can just be too stressful or we fear that our partners may not understand if we want to debrief or we want to offload when we get home or we don't want to burden someone else with what we're going going through. So we can be a bit guilty of isolating ourselves in those circumstances, but isolation can be professional isolation as well. People working in private practice who aren't part of a large, larger professional network don't have colleagues to um, run ideas past or people to debrief with and things. Um, it's that issue of sort of picking up changes in behaviour earlier and, and seeking help speaks to some, some of our issues with relationships as doctors and an issue perhaps that as what makes us good doctors and makes us good for our patients may not actually make us happy and fulfilled in our personal lives and may not actually help us with our relationships with close friends or broader friendship groups. I think if we are noticing changes in our colleagues or our friends who work in medicine, one of the best bits of advice is ask them if they're okay. The worst thing that can happen is they say, don't want to talk to you or they rebuff you. But if you ask somebody if they're traveling okay or they're looking more stressed than they usually do, is anything up or how are they feeling? Most people are only too glad to be asked. But if you ask that question, Make sure you've got time to take them aside for a coffee or um, some time in the tea room or somewhere else that you could actually explore the issue a little bit further, that you can follow up on that, that question. Good point. Um, the next question's uh, quite broad and quite complex. Um, there are a lot of different stakeholders here um, when it comes to doctors' wellbeing. So there's the individual, there's the um, department, that the doctor belongs to, there's the hospital that the doctor may be working in, um, then there might be a college which is the, the large network and of course um, larger than that is probably you know state health or government you know um, national health. So who whose responsibility is it and how do we how do we approach that? Well you've just given a whole list of key stakeholders in the whole big issue of health of the medical profession and it's the responsibility of all the people or the organisations that you've just listed. We are not going to get anywhere with helping improve doctor's health or doctor's mental health unless we take a systems approach. One of the issues that's come up in the, the recent year or so is 
with regard to resilience. We saw a whole wave that was moving towards if only doctors were more resilient, um, there'd be less problems in, in doctors' health. And there, the problem was being, that was focusing the, the problem very much as being the individual's problem. But it's not the individual doctor's issue alone. It's everybody's issue. It's our small craft groups. It's our larger hospital departments. It's the employer's is, issue. It's the medical um, learned colleges issue. And it's a government issue with workforce issues as well. So unless there are appropriate interventions at each of those steps um, and everybody accepts their own responsibility and makes steps to improve things, we're not going to see much improvement in, in the health of doctors. Yes, that's a comprehensive answer. Um, it's not a very direct answer, I'm afraid. <laughs> I don't think there are any uh, easy solutions to this. Um, but one of the things you just alluded to are interventions. So what interventions, is, interventions or processes has evidence to support its implementation, if there are any? We've got a lot of wonderful new initiatives to address doctors' health. Uh, health and we've got a lot of things that on surface seem to help. As far as having um, a good evidence base of what helps and what doesn't, we're a bit lacking on the um, levels of evidence there. Most of our evidence is probably level five evidence. Obviously, you can't do a, a randomized controlled trial in whether a doctor's health initiative works, but we do actually need to probably see a little bit more of our efforts put into evaluating and researching some of the interventions that exist, um, the value of some of the health um, services for doctors that exist, some of the programs that are running. Um, and I think until we evaluate things a bit, a bit more, we don't truly know what's working and what's not working. I know when I was working at the VDHP, we did an evaluation of our case management program. And our case management program was for doctors who had um, substance use dependence um, and were being case managed by the doctor's health program. Now we evaluated that over for its outcomes over a period of about five years and our, one of our outcome measures was that the doctor was in recovery from their substance dependence and was back at work and doing as much work in medicine as they wanted to be at that period of time. And with that as an outcome measure, our good outcome at the five-year mark was about um, 83%. And so for doctors in recovery and doctors who'd had substance use problems and were in ongoing recovery, 83% put us right up there with world's mm -hmm. best practice. Yeah. So that sort of evaluation was really good, but we don't actually have much Australian data at all about evaluation of services for doctors. Mm. Um, something that you mentioned before was the high, the higher sort of morbidity and mortality amongst doctors. Um, how do you explain the difference in depression, anxiety and suicide ideation in uh, health professionals compared with other um, professionals in other areas of uh, work? Um, there's many explanations here it's probably all too easy 
to blame it on the stress of the job we do or the workplace. Medicine is a stressful career. We look after patients and our patients don't always get better. And that can have an impact upon us as caring clinicians. But we can work in stressful environments, in, in hospitals or other institutions. We can be victims to bullying and harassments, which can come whatever your profession is, and that's not exclusive to medicine. So there are a lot of things that can stress us there and increase our rates of depression and anxiety. But another factor in depression in doctors is who we are as people and our basic underlying personality structures. I know it's a big generalisation, but doctors by and large tend to be very obsessional, perfectionistic people. We're the sort of people that dot I's and cross T's. We're the sort of people right from school age who could get 99% in an exam and worry where the 1% went. And sure, we need doctors that are perfectionistic, but being that much of a perfectionist has a downside. We can be very self-critical. There's no room for failure in medicine. And we beat ourselves up when we don't achieve our own impossibly high standards sometimes. So what's actually our strength, the perfectionism that makes us really good doctors, is actually a weakness because people with perfectionistic traits and with obsessional personalities are more prone to depression and probably more prone to anxiety as well. We worry a lot. Um, so that, in a way, that, that big question of who we are um, mm. and the things that take us into medicine in the first place can actually help predispose us to um, depression and anxiety. And then add in stresses at work, critical incidents, life outside medicine as well. The sort of circumstances we would have to face whether or not we were doctors. We lose loved ones, families age, kids grow up, kids have teenage problems, all sorts of things that you have to face with whatever profession you go in. And then other things that are impact upon the mental health in, in doctors are that we're human beings and we can get mental illnesses that anybody else can get as well. Just being a doctor does not protect you from getting bipolar disorder or an anxiety disorder or other mental health problems. So, but sometimes it can be that sort of um, Swiss cheese effect of everything lining up at once. Who we are, our circumstances at work, illnesses that might have befallen us, whether we went into medicine or not, that can contribute to high rates of mortality and morbidity in doctors. There's certainly no simple answers in this field. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm being a bit of a psychiatrist here. There is never a simple answer. <laughs> no, we have to con good. can think yeah, of all factors. We have to think about all of this. Um, so what are some of the things or strategies that you could tell us that we can do to look after ourselves in the workplace or what we can do for our colleagues? Oh, um, gosh, where to start? There are so many things that we can do. One of the ones I'm going to go back to is my quote earlier, quoting William Osler, is having interests outside medicine that are protect us and buffer us for what we do in medicine. We need to have identities other than our identity as a doctor. The days of the dedicated 
um, a good doctor being somebody whose whole life is wrapped up in medicine are gone. We need to have an identity as a doctor, our identity as a partner, our identity as um, whatever else we may have identities. We have a, a mother or um, a parent or um, somebody who paints in their spare time or other identities that buffer us against the stresses in medicine. And I think following on from that, what we do when we're not actually practicing medicine does make us better doctors because it enriches us and it refreshes us and it keeps us in touch with the outside world, the world our patients live in, and makes us better informed and better able to relate to our patients and to our colleagues. Um, other things that help, I think one of the other most important things is that sense of connectedness, mm. professional connectedness to break down that isolation that we were talking about earlier. Sometimes the most isolating place can be a busy tertiary teaching hospital where everybody seems to be very self-contained and in their own worlds and following their own career plans and getting on with their own jobs. That can often be quite isolating for people. So I think staying connected with your colleagues um, in your own craft groups, in your own departments, staying connected with friends who may be medical friends, staying connected with friends who maybe aren't medical, and breaking down your own sense of isolation. And it's our friends and our colleagues that help us get things in perspective at times when things are stressful. I could go on the list could be enormous <laughs> of all the things that we can we can do. I think they're all great reminders yeah. for us to sort of stop and yeah. reflect and um, think about these issues. Um, have you got any sort of last messages for? Um, for I think audience? one of my most important messages at the moment, apart from getting on my soapbox and saying that, you know, medicine is stressful, but it's an incredibly worthwhile profession. All of us in the medical profession have an ethical duty to look after ourselves. And all of us in the medical profession have a responsibility not to be agents for poor mental health in our colleagues. And all of us have a responsibility to ensure that the organisations we're part of aren't agents for poor mental health in our colleagues. I think one of my real take-home messages, though, is please, please don't be too despondent about all that we see in social media and media about the poor mental health of doctors. We don't see enough about the doctors that are doing well, that have rich and fulfilling worthwhile careers in medicine. And believe me, there are plenty of people who are actually glad they have chosen medicine as a career. So I think really don't get weighed down in, in doom and gloom. Let's do all we can do to help people who are struggling and make sure that our colleagues and our friends don't struggle and that we can all be, should remain active in this space. But please enjoy your careers because medicine is still a really worthwhile career. I think that's a great point to end on. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay, thank you.